Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruin Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. As always, I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a fourth-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin. And as you can see, we've got the trio back. Joseph took a little hiatus, you know, busy man, but the one and only sports editor of the Daily Bruin, Joseph Crosby, is back. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. Happy to be back. Looking forward to uh, getting out of the bye week and into some some football once more. Yes, we're happy you're back. We are very happy you're back. Uh, this guy's always here. He never leaves me, and I'm happy about it because I love him. It's the man with the amazing hair and the even better takes, uh, senior sports staff writer Jack Nelson. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, as always, Gavin. I want to preface this with an apology for all of our loyal viewers and listeners because I sounded absolutely terrible on last week's pod, and I couldn't even listen to myself. So thank you for those who did listen. It's better this week, I promise. Yeah, Jack, he's a, he really loves to yell, so he, his voice was kind of in and out throughout it. My, my voice is never that great either. Um, but yeah, we're back. Like Joseph said, we're coming off a bye week for UCLA football. Obviously, you're all well aware that they have lost their most previous game to Utah. It was 14-7, to but we're not here to talk about that game anymore. We're here to preview the upcoming game against number 13, Washington State. That's right. The Cougars, a fantastic 4-0 start to the season that I don't know if people really fully expected that. I mean, everyone knows how the Pac-12 is really exceeding expectations this year. Um, but number 13 in the nation, Washington State, I don't think many people saw that coming into the season. Uh, obviously, UCLA coming off a loss, but at home, at the Rose Bowl, it's a 12 p.m. kickoff. Um, UCLA plays really well at home. And I think a lot of people are going to be talking about a couple things. The quarterback matchup, first and foremost. Uh, Cam Ward, fantastic for Washington State so far. And Dante Moore coming off easily his worst performance of the season and of his career. Um, Cam Ward, is he better than Dante Moore? I'm going to start with a little question. I always love to start with a little question. Who has the edge at quarterback in this matchup? Is it Dante Moore or is it Cam Ward? It's Cam Ward. Is it close? I don't don't think it's particularly close. I don't. I mean, Dante Moore is four games into his career. I think it's hard to say that he's definitively better than a guy that's been, for all intents and purposes, a very, very good quarterback this year and looking like, you know, maybe a, I don't know, a dark horse Heisman candidate. Is that a, a too scorching? I mean, it's, it feels like every single quarterback in the Pac-12 has been mentioned in the Heisman race. I mean, we know Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael. It just seems like everybody. And I think he, I mean, they're 4-0. They, they, they played well. He hasn't really done anything wrong. I feel like it's a fair take. You got Cam Ward or Dante Moore, Jack? I do have Cam Ward as well. Yeah, Dante, early in his career, he's shown some flashes his first two games. But against Utah, we saw how he struggles against a really good Pac-12 defense. And Cam Ward, he's cooking this season so far. He's he's killing that air raid offense. And so I would definitely put him above Dante at this point. Yeah, Cam Ward uh, to start the season, over 1,300 yards, 13 passing touchdowns. And the main thing that's really stood out, no interceptions. A flawless start to the season for him. Obviously we, know how, obviously, we know how Dante did with that interception to start the game against Utah and just really shaky performance holding on to the ball. Um, but we're going to transition now to talk about the offensive and defensive units for both sides. Washington State's offense has been phenomenal. They really, really, really outplayed Oregon State um, really the entire game. I know Oregon State made a late comeback in that game last week for Washington State, but their offense has been so impressive, and it's, it's an air raid offense. It's, it's, it seems like it's always an air raid offense at Wazoo. Um, going back to the last time these teams played, we know how that game ended in the 60s. Um, but talking about the offense a little bit, I know I I personally think that they have the edge throughout the, you know, UCLA's defense had a great game, but Washington State's offense has the edge. So, uh, you know, what can we talk about Washington State's offense here? What stood out? 
Let me throw some big numbers at you, Gavin. I've got number two passing offense in the country. As we said, Cam Ward, he's thrown for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. As you said, no interceptions. That offense is dangerous. Air raid offense, mainly because they brought over Ben Arbuckle from Western Kentucky, who ran the air raid offense there. And so he brought that same kind of scheme. Um, another number, number five total offense in the country, not just one of the best passing offenses, one of the best offenses overall. They're averaging 532.2 yards per game. That's a big number. And then you've also got, just for Cam Ward by himself, he has a number eight passing efficiency in all of college football, in addition to the number 10 overall passer rating. So he's certainly up there in the, I would, as Joe said, the dark horse Heisman conversation right now. He's the best quarterback that UCLA has faced all year, and probably the best quarterback they'll face until... Shooter Sanders? Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, are you a big DJ guy? I think Shooter has the edge over DJ. I agree. I'm getting um, a little ahead of myself. No, yeah, I, I think uh, definitely interesting because, like you said, they haven't – I know there was a lot of talk about Grayson McCall and the, the Coastal game. Other than that, they haven't really faced a strong quarterback. We saw what Nate Johnson did last week, nothing. They still won the game, um, but he didn't do much. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really interesting to see how Eastlay's defense is going to handle this air raid because – They've shown a great ability to stop the run. They did against San Diego State really well, and that being their strength. Uh, they did it pretty darn well against Utah as well, a team that dominates the line of scrimmage. And UCLA's defensive front, really their whole defense was fine. But the secondary will be tested. We know that's their weakness, and um, we'll see how they match up. Uh, on the flip side of things, UCLA's offense coming off their worst performance, going up against a Washington State defense that isn't the most strong. Um, Joseph, what do you got on the defense, buddy? Yeah, I've got some numbers, too, actually. Ooh, big numbers um, pod well, today. Yeah, they're actually big numbers. Uh, so I've got number 99 in passing yards allowed. Yikes. Uh, 59th in rushing defense and mm-hmm. 70th in scoring defense. Okay. So kind of a, a little bit of a reversal from what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they've allowed 21 points in at least 21 points in every game, most recently 35 against Oregon State, uh, and three of those games are at home. So <clears throat> their defense is definitely not the same you know, caliber as their offense. And I think uh, UCLA is a pretty comparable offense to Oregon State's just in terms of the numbers. The Beavers are 20th in rushing. UCLA is 22nd. UCLA is 52nd in passing. Oregon State is 71st. So I think can kind of probably expect to see similar things play out with UCLA's offense against this Washington State defense that has kind of struggled in some regards. And what are we looking to see from Dante to respond to that poor performance against this defense? You talked about it being a weak uh, Weak defense, especially against the pass. Is it heroics from Dante? Is it keeping things simple and not turning the ball over? What are you hoping to see, or what should UCLA fans hope to see from Dante to uh, to sort of right the wrongs after that last performance? Definitely, they're going to want to see some mistake-free football, especially after last week. As you said, ball you know ball possession, fumbles, interceptions. It was an issue for him. I mean, right out of the gate, we saw the pick six. Right, that was a rough start for Dante. Um, and so, just you know, mistake-free football and. I think high completion percentage as well would be good for Dante. He was 15 for 35 against Utah. So showing, you know, proving that he can be accurate against a Pac-12 defense in a conference where, you know, it's all offense. There's, what, four of the five top offenses in the country are in the Pac-12 right now. Like, Dante's got to be able to keep pace with some of these other offenses. And a lot of them are led by great quarterbacks with really high percentages of completions. Yeah, and I think especially the offensive line has to help too, right? Because um, it's not like... Dante Moore had a very comfortable pocket for most of that Utah game, and the run game wasn't that great either. And we know that Chip Kelly's offenses run first and react after that with you know with your quarterback play actions, rollouts, all that stuff. So a lot of question marks about the offensive line, about Dante Moore and all that. Um, we're doing a new thing here. We're going to do our keys to the game before we get into our predictions on who's actually going to win. Um, so all three of us are going to have a key to the game for UCLA in order for them to win. 
Um, I'll go first just to introduce the new segment. My key to the game is UCLA cannot start slow, uh, particularly on offense. Um, we know how the Utah game started. It was almost the opposite of slow, negative, right? You're literally giving up points. Um, but even the San Diego State game, remember a slow start. I think it was three drives without really doing anything before they had the huge touchdown to Josiah Norwood. Um, and then just looking at Wazoo, they're kind of the opposite. They start really well. I mean, they blew out Oregon State in the first half. I think it was 28-14 at, at halftime, and it was 35-14 uh, to 14 going into the fourth quarter or something like that. Um, they also scored on their first three drives, Wazoo did, in their most recent game against a very strong Oregon State defense. So not only has UCLA shown a lack of ability to start out strong offensively, um, but Wazoo has shown the exact opposite. So if, if UCLA doesn't score on their first two or three drives, they could be down 14 nothing, down 21 nothing. And we know how UCLA fans are th- at the Rose Bowl. The few that do show up might leave early if they're down 21 nothing. So um, they're going to have to start strong. And I think it'll be a lot of pressure on Chip Kelly, how he calls plays to help out his young quarterback. Like I said in one of the pods, first couple of drives, you really script the plays, right? You, you have a plan of what you're going to do. You're not really reacting to the defense. You've kind of already planned your plays. So a lot of pressure on Chip Kelly to see how he scripts those plays in the first couple of drives and, and whether or not he's able to uh, help his quarterback out. We'll go to Joseph. What's your key to the game? Yeah, I think it's going to be holding on to the football. Um, there was the interception to open the Utah game. Then, you know, they get the first scoring opportunity, and Dante Moore loses the ball, turns it over at the nine-yard line. Um so just holding on to the football is going to be the key, not turning it over, making sure, you know, even if you end up punting, if you're not throwing an interception, you're not fumbling it, especially when you've got uh, Ron Stone Jr. coming around the, the right side off the line. He's got two force fumbles this year already and four QB hurries, so he's going to be a big threat. So just making sure that uh, not turning the ball over, I think it's going to be a really big, really big uh, storyline in this game. And then what about you, Jack? For me, it's all about limiting Cam Ward. He is the biggest weapon. He can really make this a bit of an offensive shootout. This should be a shootout, by the way I see it, with this Washington State defense and UCLA's defense and their ability to hopefully, or sorry, potentially limit Cam Ward here. Like, this is, if UCLA wants to be in this game and give at least give their offense a bit of an edge, they're going to have to force Cam, force some three and outs, going to force some turnovers. Um, I think they definitely can do that based on these first few games for the UCLA defense. Yeah, just a quick reminder of sort of the history of this matchup. The last game in 2019. Big numbers. Big numbers. Big probably numbers. one of the biggest number games. That didn't make sense at all. Um, it was 67 to 63. That says about all you need to know about that game. UCLA obviously having one of the largest comebacks in college football history. There was everything in that game. Demetric Felton kick returns. Kyle Phillips punt returns. DTR running all over the place. Did Washington oh. State's quarterback have like 10 touchdowns? <laughs> it was something. something like that. It was like, I think it was like eight or nine. Anthony Gordon, if I remember correctly. Um, UCLA 41, 20, and one all time against the Cougars. Um, nine passing touchdowns. Yeah, he threw, game. yeah. So, wow. I don't think we're going to see that, but we'll see. What, what are we going to see? Let's jump into the predictions now. UCLA coming, after a lo- coming off a loss. They're back home. They play well at home. Joseph. I think it's hard to gauge because it's such an in, a different environment of going to at Utah to off week to back at the Rose Bowl, um, especially considering the caliber and dif- a difference in caliber in these defenses. Um, but I think the home field advantage is going to prove to be pretty helpful for UCLA and give them the win. I'll go 35-28. UCLA? Yes. Player of the game, the difference, Who? why do they win? Why uh, to Latu. Okay. All right. Jack, what about you? You got a UCLA win as well or no? Well, I made a prediction back on our first pod, on the first episode, and it aged like fine wine because Washington State is number 13 in the country right now. UCLA is unranked. 
I had Washington State beating UCLA, and I'm going to stick with that because really I think it can happen. I think it can happen. Yes, we've talked about how well UCLA plays the Rose Bowl. Yes, they're coming off a bye week. They have some extra time to prepare, and they could really use a bit of a redemption game after that Utah loss. But, 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 this Washington State offense, I'm, I'm sold on it right now. I really am. I think Cam Ward is one of the best quarterbacks, not only Pac-12, probably in the country right now. He's not getting nearly enough appreciation as he should be for the work he's done, and especially with Ben Arbuckle and the way they just completely revamped this offense. I think Washington State will win in what I do think is going to be a shootout, not to the level of 2019, but I would say I'm going to go with like 48-45. Yeah, I... Wow, 48-45. I was so wildly off in my prediction of the Utah game that now I'm being super conservative with how many points are actually going to be scored. I don't think anyone saw that coming, though, that that poor of an offensive showing for both teams. So I don't, I, I give you a pass. I, I also screwed it up myself. Thank so you. Um, UCLA is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which I find very interesting. I think that's such a coin toss of a number. Like, I mean, and they give them the three so points because they're at home, right? So that's basically they're saying they're the same level of teams. I'll be real. I did not have a decision coming into this episode about who I'm going to have winning this game. But I am going to give it to UCLA. I think they're going to run the heck out of the football. I think Chip Kelly is angry. We saw him get angry in uh, the, the media availability about punt returners and stuff. So he's fired up. He's going to run the ball about three million times. I don't think Wazoo is going to be able to stop it. I don't think Dante Moore is really going to have to do that much. Um, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. But I'll give it to UCLA. Sneaky, low-scoring game, 27-24. I feel like that was maybe the exact same prediction I had for UCLA-Utah, but 27-24, I'm giving it to UCLA. Big bounce-back game. But we'll see. We'll see. I know you guys are going to hold us accountable, um, so we'll see what happens. I think, I don't know. I, I, we got to keep track of who's been correct on the picks. We'll start doing that. My prediction is bold, but sometimes you got to make a bold prediction. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, it, well speaking said, of, Jack. Well said. Speaking of bold predictions, we're going to transition to a new segment, and I know. Every single episode, I say there's a new segment, but this segment is going to stick. I think that the, the tier Probably. list is going to... <laughs> For real this time. The tier list is going to stick as well. We don't really need to uh, revisit that because UCLA didn't play a football game. Um, but next week, after they did play a football game, we'll revisit the tier list. Um, but we have a new segment. What do you, I don't really know what to call it. I think I'm going to call it DB Debates. Uh, if you don't know, DB stands for Daily Bruin. Um, and so how this works is I'm going to present a question to my two wonderful guests, and they're going to answer the question. They're going to write it down on a whiteboard, but it's the 21st century, so it's an iPad. They're going to write down their answer to the question, and they're each going to give maybe a 30-second to a minute um, monologue, argument, opening statement about their answer. That, that doesn't make sense. They're going to answer the question. And I'm going to give a point to either of them, depending on how they argue. It's not whether or not I agree with the take. It's how they argue who does a better job. So get those iPads ready. We're going to go ahead and jump into the questions. And the first question, I think we're going to do about four to five. We'll see. Um, The first question of the episode is, for the rest of the season, who is UCLA's most important player not named Dante Moore? But like Dante Moore quarterback, it's always a safe answer to say it's the most important. So outside of Dante Moore, go ahead and write on the right board. It's right now. Who is the most important player for UCLA football for the remainder of the season? Don't peek at my answer, Jack. <laughs> I'm not. I don't cheat on exams. <laughs> I'd hope not. <laughs> All right, uh, Joseph, show me your board, buddy. I've got Layatu Latu. Joseph loves him. I was going to say, get someone who 
loves to say your name as much as Jack loves saying Ben Arbuckle. Because <laughs> I feel like I've done, I've, we've talked about Wazoo in two episodes. I feel like I've heard the name Ben Arbuckle like six times. Um, Joseph loves Latu Um So go ahead. Oh, right, Jack, who do, you, who do you have before we jump into the arguments? The big reveal. Here it is. Jay, I got J. Michael Sturdivant. J. Michael Sturdivant. Okay, I'm going to say, Joseph, go first. Why is it Latu He's just the leader on the defense, and he has the most impact on, I think, any given play. You can just kind of expect Watu to do something big and important, and he kind of leads this defense, at least their front seven, which is a very strong unit. And I think he's kind of that that X factor that is so important to their success in penetrating the backfield and you know getting those stops and finding that. I mean, they made Utah punt six consecutive times to open the second half. Um and so he's just kind of the, the key to that whole operation up front. What about you, buddy? Well, yes, I would say Latu is very important. Obviously, for that defense, the unit is very important for UCLA's success, at least so far this season. But um, one thing I will say about this UCLA offense, especially in light of the injury to Kyle Ford in the Utah game, um, there's going to be more of an emphasis on the connections between Dante Moore and his weapons that he has around him. We've seen some of the chemistry he's already found with J. Mike, and you put it very well earlier this season, Gavin, when you talked about um, kind of like the strengths that J. Mike brings that really know the receiver you've seen that UCLA has had in the past. Some of that, that agility, the length that he has, his ability to really get a lot of yards after the catch. And I think as Dante continues to get some you know experience in this offense, continues to build these connections, having a go-to guy like J. Mike is going to be huge for this offense, especially in those shootout-level games when you really need a go-to guy for big yardage and chunk plays. And so I think J. Mike's going to be very important going forward. It's tough. Um, not gonna lie, I think further questions. I need y'all to like go back and forth and say why they're wrong because it, it's you know if you're just uh, giving your statement and that's it, it's kind of hard. I think I'm gonna give it to Jack though. I just think I'm gonna give it to Jack. We'll leave it at that. But it was close. It was close. We got multiple questions, so Joseph has plenty of time to uh, you know redeem himself and, and get the lead back. One nothing, Jack. Question two. It's a little confusing one to write down. I believe in you guys though. Rank from most concerning to least concerning for the remainder of the UCLA season. One, the offensive line struggles. Two, Dante Moore's inexperience. Three, coaching overall. And four, UCLA's defensive secondary. I'll give you guys, you know, 10, 15 seconds. Put them in order. Uh, You know, obviously we saw in the last game the offensive line didn't do the best job protecting their inexperienced quarterback and, um, we know about UCLA secondary. We've seen it for years. We've talked about it for years. Um, and then coaching, you know, it's coaching. It's football. It's a, people are always going to criticize the coach more than anything else. So I'm really curious to see how you guys rank this one. Jack's, you know, taking his time over there. He, he, think, he thinks he gets a pass because he has nice hair. You got to hurry up, buddy. Okay, I will admit I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my handwriting. So chill I, out, Gavin. I'm not. I'll go first. <laughs> um, so we got number one, offensive line. I think it's the most concerning. Uh, and then secondary, Dante Moore's inexperience, and then least concerning I've had as the coaching. Okay. Jack, you're going to reveal yours, and then I want you guys to go back and forth on why your ranking is the right one. Amazing. I've got number one most concerning offensive line. Ooh. Then I've got secondary. We have the same list. Inexperience. Do we have the same list? We have the same list. Wow. Okay, we're on the same way. Well, that's perfect because I don't really know how I was going to decide who was going to win this one. I think it was a hard one to debate. So. Tell me why offensive line is the most concerning, Joseph. The offensive line is the backbone of any good offense, I think. I think it's probably one of the most unsung uh, position groups because you can't run the ball without a good offensive line, 
and your quarterback can't pass the ball without a good offensive line. So I think that is just going to be such a key point for UCLA to make sure that their offense continues to be successful by creating holes for TJ Harden and Carson Steele to run through and giving Dante more time to actually pass the ball. I'm curious why you guys both have coaching laughs given some of the questionable decisions we saw play calling from Chip Kelly and whatnot. Well, I will say this. I think uh, beyond Chip Kelly, Danton Lynn, I think deserves a good amount of credit for the work he's done with the secondary. Um, that's part of the reason why I don't have the secondary as my most concerning part in this list here is I think he's done enough work at this point in the season where I can comfortably say, okay, you slay secondary is certainly better than last season. Um, and that going forward in the season, I think they will definitely improve with the games, the competition they're going to have in the Pac-12. Um, so, yeah, that's the reason I have coaching as my least concerning area. But, yes, I, as you mentioned, Chip does he had some concerning play calling in the last game against Utah. It's such a difficult thing to gain insight into of, like, does, a, does something go wrong on the play calling side or did something go wrong in the execution on the right. field? Because when the offensive line is having miscommunication problems – then no matter what run play you call or what pass play you call, it's not going to work. So it's hard to yeah. get that kind of level. And I think just the last you know two-plus years we've seen from Chip Kelly and his overall pedigree as an offensive coach, it's hard to be early, this early to be too concerned about it. I, I agree. Think, I think a lot of it comes down to pre-snap communication too. Ultimately, yeah, the coach is going to tell you what plays you're going to be running and they're going to, you know, once you get on the field, it comes down to, Okay, what's the chemistry you got between all of your receivers, the quarterback? What do you have on the offensive line? Does everyone really know all the intricacies of the play? So I think ultimately it comes down to how well the, as you said, the O line and all the other parts of the offense, um, how well they're moving together, and how well they each know the play and are able to work together. So ultimately, I think it does come down to the O line. Yeah, I think you talked about it in the in the uh, media availability. Everyone was talking about that speed option call and. <laughs> During the media availability, he's like, no, there was a miscommunication. We didn't block this guy. It would have looked completely different if we had handled business. So it's really easy for fans and reporters and everything to watch the game and be like, why did you call that? But if this block happened, that should have happened, then that's probably a touchdown, yeah. right? Stuff like that. <laughs> if so, a block gets made, it's, oh, what a great play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a- so uh, we'll do two more questions. Right now it's still one nothing, Jack, because we had a tie there. Rank these four outcomes from most likely to least likely. Number one, UCLA goes undefeated at home. Number two, UCLA upsets USC at the Coliseum. Number three, UCLA loses three of four against uh, sort of the the elite teams left on their schedule, Washington State, Oregon State, Colorado, and USC. And then number four, UCLA loses to either a California school, Stanford or Cal, or an Arizona school, Arizona State or Arizona, since those are kind of the weakest teams in the Pac-12. So from most likely to least likely, Write those four. Um, I think I know what I would say, but this isn't my question. Um, just a reminder of the schedule: UCLA will, after hosting Wazoo, they'll be at Oregon State um, against a team that sure they just lost to Wazoo, but then they beat Utah, so they're still very much elite. Then the Bruins get to travel to Stanford for what is basically a bye game, and I probably just jinxed it saying that, but Stanford looks awful. Then they host Colorado in a homecoming game that I'm sure the entire world will be at. Every celebrity ever. Um, in Los Angeles, will want to see Deion Sanders. Um, then they're at Arizona. They host Arizona State, and then they travel to USC before hosting Cal. Um, so from most likely to least likely in terms of these outcomes, and um, show me what you got, Joseph. Uh, I've got lose most likely is lose three or four against wow. Washington State, Oregon State, Colorado, wow. and USC. Uh, then go undefeated at home. Uh, then lose to... Cal or a California a Cal- or an Arizona school. Yeah. And then 
uh, for the most as least likely as upsetting USC. Okay. What about Jack? Jack is struggling over there. He's like trying to make it look pretty. It's no, okay. I just had to actually just like switch them because I thought about it after Joe said it, it was actually smart. Um, You're supposed to but disagree with them. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree with them a second. Show so, me what you got. I got. I think I should get the point. My opinion was obviously too smart that he immediately changed this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, all right. So number one, which is most likely, yes, uh, a loss to a California or Arizona school is most likely. <laughs> yes. Keep going. Let's I hear this. Lose three or four to WSU, OSU, Colorado, USC. Got you. Then undefeated at home. Then upset SC. All right. So upset USC is the least likely for both. Yeah. Yep. I have to hear Cal, uh, Jack argue that. That is the most likely option that they're going to lose a game to either Cal, Stanford, Arizona, or Arizona. So you have to go because you're forgetting that USC is a California school. <laughs> I, that's where it's coming from. I got you, Gavin. I got you good on that one. But you know what I meant. I put US. Are you gonna are you gonna count that? Yes, I'm gonna count that. That was the basis of my argument. The, is it possible for the host to lose the second? The <laughs> <laughs> We're taking yeah. a point away from you, Take Gavin, a, for that main, one. Minus one USC to Gavin. Minus one to Gavin. Okay, I'm gonna ignore that and. <laughs> give a point to both of you i guess is that fair sure okay so then it, no i'm giving it to joseph just because i don't like you it's one one we have one more question this wow. decides it and yeah, you don't like that you forgot that usc is in california that's what you don't like don't project it on me the funny thing is i'll probably be at that game <laughs> anyways last question and then we are wrapping this up real quick how many games would ucla have to lose you don't have to write it down how many games would ucla have to lose this season for chip kelly to be fired Five? Six? Are you sure? What do you say? That's such a, more than five or six. I would say like s- seven. Why? Seven. Debate right now. 30 seconds. Go back and forth. This is for the win. This okay, is for the so, win. Uh, all right, look. So we've uh, talked about how important it is to have continuity going into a new conference. UCLA is going to the Big Ten. Why would you change your head coach going into such a big change like that? Chip Kelly, he has proven that he can – it don't, It took him a good amount of time that he can improve a program – and turn them into a winning team. And I really think that UCLA has a piece right now to be a winning team in the future. Maybe, like, obviously not like a top contender of the Big Ten. But I think just having continuity going into a conference like that is huge. And I think making a coaching change going to the Big Ten would be one of the biggest mistakes in athletics history. <laughs> okay. Wow. Go, Joseph, quick. Do you got a response? No. I don't know. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I guess you I lose this answer. one. I will, take, I will take the L on that point. I, the insight or the just expertise that I have in coaching decision making is so limited i think sports editor not future athletic director well, i feel like that's fair maybe i'm hedging my bets a little bit but <laughs> all right well jack delson is the winner of the first ever db debates that's gonna do it for this episode of the out of bounds sports podcast uh ucla will be hosting wazoo we just previewed it for you um if you want to listen to this episode uh spotify soundcloud apple Podcasts. you can watch it on our youtube channel to see our beautiful faces ucla daily bruin transcript will be on dailybruin.com thanks so much for watching hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time so long